Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward, a.k.a. Red Sox Dugout, alongside Joey Nagel and Will McNamara. How are we doing? Roger Clemens, <laughs> Kerry Wood, Randy Johnson, Max Scherzer, Nick Pavetta. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> Nicky Punchouts had himself a night last night in Oakland. I want to start off the show with that because I was just saying before we started recording that that was honestly one of the most dominant pitching performances I've seen. I know it was against the A's who are just so bad at baseball. It's hilarious. It's painful at times. Last night, a catcher just missed the pitch and it hit the umpire. That kind of sums up the A's. But Nick Pavetta, 13 strikeouts in six no-hit innings out of the bullpen. That is a Red Sox record for strikeouts in a relief appearance. Um, and as Joey mentioned, <laughs> Randy Johnson is the only guy who had a, a better, um, relief outing. He struck out like 16 or 17 or something cause he's Randy Johnson, but Nick Pavetta was in the conversation with Randy Johnson, which is probably the first time and only time that'll ever happen. Um, but all the credit to Nick Pavetta for an absolutely dominant performance. Yeah. Um, six innings, no hits, 13 punchies. If you extrapolate that over nine innings, it's a nine-inning no-hitter with 19.8 strikeouts. So it's basically a 20-strikeout game. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, you just witnessed the greatest game ever pitched in (laughs) Major League Baseball history by Nicholas Pavetta. His middle name is Giancarlo. Giancarlo. I actually knew that. Yeah, Yeah. Nicholas Giancarlo Pavetta. Um, Yeah, Nick Pavetta... I don't know what it is with him coming out of the bullpen instead of starting a game, but it is a night and day difference. This guy out of the bullpen is one of the best pitchers of our generation. In the rotation, might as well throw Ryan Weber out there. It's garbage. But since May 28th, in the bullpen, he's pitched 29 and two-thirds innings. He has a 182 ERA and a 080 whip. 46 Ks in those 29 and two-thirds innings. Insane insane and it is huge for you at a time where you have rotation problems to have a guy who can last night he pitched six innings um game before that i I think he had over 70 pitches so i mean that leads people to question why don't you just put him in the rotation are the Sox going to put him in the rotation my answer to that i think the answer that many people have is if it's if it ain't broke don't fix it there's no reason to mess with what's working because this is working the brendan bernardino opener followed by the Nick Pavetta piggyback, is working big time. You saw that last night. Brandon Bernardino, credit to him, too. He has been outstanding for the Red Sox um, since since coming over to Boston, but even more since he's been uh, an opener. So this season, in 31 and two-thirds, he has a 2.27 ERA, a 9.4 Ks per nine, a .6 homers per nine. He's been outstanding. And this is a guy who was, I don't know, he was claimed off waivers, I'm pretty sure, from the Mariners. This is just a random guy that we brought in here and has been a, a key piece of our pitching staff. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, Pavetta last night, before he even threw this, the best game in history, That's he, right. as a starter this year, he had a 6.3 ERA with 9.2 Ks per nine, I think. Not good. And... As a reliever, he had a 2.8 with 12.1. It's, again, like you said, night and day. And if you think that he should be 
get moved to the rotation because, yeah, he can go long innings and he can get outs. You're wrong because something is there psychologically where he can't see the one, two, three in the order in the first inning or he'll the bed. Can't say that. (laughs) My bad. Well, you look back to the postseason. He did the same thing in 2021. He was absolutely dominant out of the pen. I don't know what it is. He and he gets amped up. Did you see him last night? He was stomping around the mound. He's pitching against the worst team in baseball, if not history, and he's he's strutting his stuff like he's pitching in the World Series. There's steam coming out of his ears. I love that. I love that energy. You need that. Yeah, I think that's the key, though. I think that's why he's been good out of the bullpen is that adrenaline. That adrenaline went, I, I don't know. I've, I've never pitched in a Major League Baseball game, um, believe it or not. But I feel like when you're kind of warming up to start a game, um, the sun could be set in. It's kind of a relaxed environment versus you're warming up in the bullpen to come in within the next 10 minutes. You're like, okay, it's time to go. Uh, and you don't know how long you're going to start. You're like every single pitch, every single inning matters instead of more of like, a, all right, let's try to get five innings here. I can see why there's more adrenaline there. And knowing Nick Pavetta and what we've seen before, the adrenaline is what drives him. So I, I think it makes total sense why he's contributing out of the bullpen much more than the rotation. And again, that's why you leave him there. That's that's the role that's worked. There's no reason to change that. That's why he's still been in the bullpen and they haven't put him in the rotation. It's because that's what's working and you don't want to mess with what works. Um, one more fun stat. Red Sox pitchers to strike out 10-plus batters and allow zero hits in a game. Nick Pavetta last night. Hideo Nomo. Good. Smokey Joe Wood in 1911 against the St. Louis Cardinals. He pitched nine innings and, and struck out 12 and a, a no-hitter, presumably. Um, yeah, were you a big Smokey Joe Wood guy? Oh, he was day? my guy back yeah. in the day. I had posts of him all over my room. He probably he- died of, like, the flu or something a common cold now nah, you died of a splinter <laughs> paper cut um, you know what i was gonna say like asbestos poisoning or something you know the 19- measles yeah some yeah. some old right i will get back to you on this just dust in his lungs or something uh real quick uh while we're on the topic of the red sox bullpen shout out to them uh because this year they have the third lowest percentage of save opportunities that have been blown uh, the 20 knock on wood. Thank you. Yeah. But, uh, that's a big difference. That's what the problem has been the past few years and why we have underperformed for the greater part of the past half decade. Uh, the lack yeah. of a closer now that we finally have one. Wow. Look, all of a sudden, look what happens. It's saves magic. are converted. Wow. This is unbelievable. And we're winning games. Exactly. Yeah. That's, Shocker. That's wow, why I love Smokey Jansen, Joe Wood. <laughs> You weren't kidding. You're coming back to it. <laughs> he lived till 95. Wow. No way. That's unbelievable. You think of all these these players, like one of them got, like players back in that day were struck by lightning and died. Um, wait, wait, back up a second. Smokey Joe Wood, first of all, was born in 1889. His real name is Howard Ellsworth. Oh. Where did they get Smokey Joe Wood? Dude. Life expectancy. I just looked this up because that is nuts. Life expectancy like in the 40. USA for men was fifty-one. He 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 almost, almost doubled, doubled that. That boy, Smokey. That's the guy I want pitching for my team every five days. Bring him back. Yeah, we need some pitching. Where's Smokey Joe Woods' body? 
bring that back to he life. Got, he's from Connecticut. Yeah. No, he died in Connecticut. He's from Missouri. In in 1984, he received a standing ovation on Old Timers Day at Fenway Park, 72 years after his memorable 1912 season. He was age 94 at the time. How did he get a standing ovation? <laughs> who, who remembered this guy? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the legend himself, Smokey Joe Wood. And uh, I think what are you? What were the fans expecting? No, I think more people need to talk about this guy. I don't know if you know this, but he pitched for the Red Sox from 1908 to 1915, of course, where he was a pitcher. But then he went to Cleveland. And from 1917 to 1922, he was an outfielder. <laughs> well, he had a, a career 283 batting average and 23 homers. He drove in 325. Forget Shoei Otani. Smokey and, Joe Wood. And he was the last surviving member of, you, you know, the legendary team, the 1912 world champion Boston Red Sox. I of mean, course. He outlived them all. Boston legend. He was a, he, he's immortal. He essentially is still alive. What number did he wear? That better be one of the retired ones up there. He probably, he probably didn't even wear They probably even have numbers back then. <laughs> they weren't invented yet. Smokey Joe Wood. He made his amateur debut for a minors team. Not a, not like minor league baseball, like a team of coal <laughs> miners <laughs> in Colorado. His career stats are low-key not bad. Wait, what? he made his playing debut with a mostly female team called the Bloomer Girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bloomer Girls legend. On the career, from, though. From the minor He would pose leagues. as a girl on a girl's team. What? That's One's, when the Red Sox signed him. 117 and 57 with a 2.03 in 1,434 innings. That's a lot of innings. Well, he was known for his blazing fastball. He once struck out 23 batters in an exhibition game. In 1911, blazing was probably Screw like Nick 76. Pavetta, this guy. <laughs> Sorry, I got to re I got to Can we can we reshoot my intro? I got to include this guy on it. Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, Max Scherzer, Smokey Harry Joe Wood, Wood, Nick Smokey Pavetta, Joe Wood. Smokey Joe Wood. Oh yeah. I, I'm blown away by this guy. I can't believe that wait, I, wait, I wasn't wait. aware. He's a three-time World Series champion. He pitched a no-hitter. That's probably the game we're talking about on July 29th. July 29th should be Smokey Joe Wood Day. It's it coming be, up. It should be. It's coming up very soon. It should be a holiday in the sport. Let's do a pod that day. We got it. We got a, a memorial pod uh, for Smokey Joe Wood. Fred. Snodgrass. I'm out. The, I'm out the state, though. Fred, what? Day. Fred Snodgrass? Who's that? I'm reading. What are I'm these reading names? An old game log from. How uh, they even have logs of the games? This is from the historic 1912 World Series. After slugging it out in seven close games, the teams met for a deciding eighth game at Fenway Park with future Hall of Famer Christine Mathewson starting for the Giants. Eighth. Yes, they went nine, best of nine back then. Uh, <laughs> after Boston tied the score one-one in the bottom of the seventh. Wood came out to pitch. Ooh. He matched Matthewson in the 8th and ninth, and the game went into extras. But in the top of the 10th, Fred Merkel got Wood <laughs> knocking in a run with a single. But in the bottom of the 10th, Clyde Engel of the Boston Red Sox pinch hit for Wood. Hit an easy fly ball to the center fielder, Fred Snodgrass. But Snodgrass <laughs> dropped the oh, ball. No. The, the, this historic play is referred to as the Snodgrass muff. 
and it cost the Giants as Tris Speaker and Larry Gardner each knocked in a run to overcome the one-run deficit. And the Red Sox won the game 3-2 and won the series 4-3-1. So they tied one of the games. How is that possible? But they walked off to win the World Series in 1912. I think we should just spend He also struck out 11 batters. He was, he was the first pitcher to record double-digit strikeouts in a World Series game. Wow. Here's your trivia. Smokey Joe. I mean, he was he was named one of the 100 greatest baseball players of all time. As he should be. I know you guys are going to be rushing to Amazon to buy this. There's a biography called Smokey Joe Wood, the biography of a baseball legend that was made in 2013. Wow. All right, let's find this number. I'm finding his jersey. Oh, no. As a position player, Wood slipped on wet grass while fielding a bunt in a game against the Tigers. He fell and broke his thumb. He pitched in pain for the following three seasons. Beast. But he maintained a winning record in a low ERA. He had 30, That's what ended his pitching career. He had 34 wins in 1912. Along his with, former Boston teammate, Babe Ruth, would make a similar position change a season later. Babe Ruth happened because of Smokey Joe Wood. That was his inspiration. Shohei Otani happened. Happened because of Smokey Joe Wood. That's facts. Numbers don't lie. In 1912, he had a 12-game win streak. He won 12 straight decisions. He he won thirty four games along with thirty five shutouts and ten or thirty five complete games and ten shutouts. Only finished fifth in MVP. He was robbed. I will never oh, I will never get over. I've that. been upset about that for years. Yeah, three hundred and forty four innings that year. Oh, he went on to coach baseball at Yale. Um. So, I guess this guy didn't have a number. So I think we should just get blank Sox jerseys, but just wood on the back. I think we need the smoky in there and somewhere. No, no, you know what? The, nope, just wood. No, I think it should be wood, Everyone and then know. the number should be the infinity sign. Because he's immortal and lives forever. His his legend will always the legend of Howard Ellsworth, Smokey Joe Wood will never die. So the Red Sox won two out of three against the Cubs, um, in Chicago. That was a a really. <laughs> That was a good series. I mean, the Cubs haven't been playing phenomenal baseball, but we faced some really good pitching in that series. I mean, you got Kyle Hendricks, Marcus Stroman, and Justin Steele. Justin Steele was an all-star. Had no problem with him. Um, so let's get into <laughs> let's get into that series. Game one, coming out of the all-star break. Eight to three victory. That was Brian Bayo Day. Before the game, Rafael Devers promised Brian Bayo that he's gonna hit two home runs for him. What'd he do? He hit two homers within the first three innings. That That is what your star player should be doing. You should be calling the shot and hitting bombs. Like Babe Ruth, who was inspired <laughs> by Smokey Joe Wood. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's great to see. Not much else to that. Bats hit. Pitching pitched. Won that game 8-3. to three. Next day, not as good. You lose that one 4-10. to 10. James Paxton with a rough start, only going three innings. I believe he gave up six in that one. Um, it was all it was all that one inning that was disastrous. He uh, what hit a batter, walked a few, in, some poor defense. 
So let me ask you this. There's been a lot of rumors about James Paxton being a trade piece for the Red Sox. Do you think he's like, I like this team. I don't want to go anywhere. I'm going to go out there and bomb this start. Um, I want to say no because, honestly, I don't think that game really hurt his value that much. You know, that was really the first time all season, I mean, definitely not all season, but in a long time that we've seen James Paxton falter. You know, he's been... He's been a workhorse. He's throwing way more innings than he usually does, and he's... That's the scary part, though. Yeah, which definitely could be useful using him as a trade piece because he may not be as good in the second half of the season. Yeah. But, I mean, we got to see... He's been great for us so far. I don't think that one bad start really changes anything about that. So if we want to use him as a trade piece, I think we still can. Oh, yeah. I mean, Brian Bayo's had bad starts. Bad starts are going to happen. It's not the best time to have it, but I, it's James Paxton. This guy's been around a while. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. But, it does concern me, though, the, the innings thing. He's already thrown more innings in the first half this year than he did in the previous three years. Plus, he's had the injury history. It's, it's scary to think about because he's been so good for us. He could start to decline. He could get hurt. It's risky. He could also not. He could continue pitching great and finish out the season. Um, so you can't really predict what's going to happen. It's kind of like a, it's like an old car. You know, it's been reliable. The engine keeps you going. It's had some breakdowns, and and you're having a good streak where you haven't been in the shop with it, and you feel like any day you take it out, it could just fall apart or just give out. That's not exactly what I think James Paxton is. That's probably a bad analogy, <laughs> <laughs> but it's similar. You know. Yeah, but I, I am not concerned to answer a question that I didn't ask um, directly. I'm not concerned about James Paxton. He'll be fine, I'm sure. Even if his next start out is bad, I'll just chalk it up to he doesn't want to get traded. If he goes out against the Mets and he gets shelled again, I'll, <laughs> I'll wait till August, you know? He could just want to stay with the team, especially given their recent success. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not concerned about that. Game three in that series. Series is tied up going into game three. 11 to 5 win. Cutter Crawford pitched a gem in that one, which is huge because everyone knows again about the injury problems this rotation has. You don't really have real starters. You have Bayo, Paxton, and Cutter. Cutter's been pushed into that three spot when he wasn't even in the rotation to start the season, but he had nine strikeouts in that start, going six innings, allowing just one hit and allowing no runs. Some problems with walks, but that, that was a gem outing from a guy like Cutter Crawford for sure. Absolutely. And that's very encouraging too because it's still going to be a little bit until you get all your rotation pieces back. Um, so as long as he can be a productive back end of the rotation guy, you got to take advantage of that, and that's huge for you. Yeah, and um, that, that rubber match really was an important game because you're not in the best spot coming out of the break. Obviously, you have to take that series and continue your hot streak. And losing that middle game was so tough because you knew you had Justin Steele going the next day. Who is it? He, he, he's a beast. He, he's only had one bad start all year. Uh, you were his second this past weekend, and Cutter Crawford kept you in the game. Uh, he made it so the offense really did not have to score many runs, uh, even though they ended up doing so. He gave you the start that you really needed. Like earlier in, in the season when it gets to those rubber games and you have an unfavorable pitching matchup, you tend to lose those games, and if we had lost that series to the Cubs, we'd be feeling a lot different right now. We'd be feeling down because that's those are games that you threw away, you left on the table, and you know, two weeks out from the deadline, you can't be doing that. So, 
Yeah. Big win. Big series win. Shout out to Yoshida. Yeah, I'll get to that one second. One more thing. Like you said on Justin Steele, before this, he was uh, he was 9-2. and two. He was an all-star, ERA under 3. Red Sox roughed him up for 10 hits, 6 earned runs, 2 homers. That's huge. Um, I believe this is the game. Isn't this the game where the Red Sox just went off and hit like 6 homers? Yes, it was. No, that was the first game. That was the first game. We still homered a few times that game, though. Cause yeah, Cons- that was the first. De- Devers, Cons- right. Devers in the first. Uh, Devers Yoshida twice. Grand Slam. I remember this. Oh, Devers oh. twice. Duvall homered. Oh, Chang homered. Tristan Casas homered. Duvall twice. Yeah, Turner. Whatever. Turner. Justin Turner. Yeah, sure. There you go. That was the first game. Back to the third game. This was the game where Masataki Yoshida had six RBIs. Part of that was a Grand Slam. He had an RBI triple. Uh, it was a two RBI triple. Two run triple. Six RBIs. Costas homered in that game as a pinch hitter, which means he had a homer in all three games of the series. Uh, and Jake Free is very bad at baseball. <laughs> that was so ugly. <laughs> I w- I didn't even get to I didn't get the pleasure of watching that. I was listening to it on the radio, and Will it Fleming was a pleasure. Just, let me tell you, he, j- he stopped talking about the game after two after the first two walks. Little did he know that. We were only dipping our toes in the water at that point. Will Fleming was like, it was with Rob Bradford. He's like, I'm not talking about this as another ball comes in. Yeah, because, I mean, you already won the game at that point. Yeah. And and Faria's out there in the eighth. (laughs) It was impressive. It took him 65 pitches to complete two innings. I didn't realize he had 65. It It was impressively bad. Four walks, five earned runs, four hits, and just two innings. And you know what's sad? He went... After that game ended, he was seen immediately in the manager's yeah, office. Yeah, he's like, but you're he out went, of here, done. He went, he, the game just ended, and he went from the dugout straight to Cora's office to get the news that he was DFA'd. That game could have easily been a shutout, too. All five runs in that game were given up by him. You don't want to embarrass him, though. I know. It is like a, a nice, um, it's a gentleman's win. Look, he, he contributed. Let he him have a couple. Because it's important. Like we didn't want to waste any bullpen arms, especially with you know back-to-back uh, bullpen games against yeah, the A's. It is like, shout out to Jake Faria for just you know, eating innings. This is a guy who was a former major league pitcher with the Rays and other teams. Maybe he just missed pitching in the big leagues, and he knew that this was probably his only shot. So he's like, "Let me make it as long as possible. <laughs> Let me get as many pitches in as I possibly can," and that's what he did. So <laughs> there you go. Um, I do want to mention this. There was some controversy in that game. More on my end uh, with the lineup, I complained again that uh, Verdugo, Casas, and who's the third? Duran. Verdugo, Casas, and Duran were all benched against the lefty. And I posted that on my story, and most people agree with it. But then I keep getting these people who damn me and like, you got to trust Cora, dude. Cora knows what he's doing. You're not a major league manager. Alex Cora is. Okay, like I don't get why people are so obsessed with Alex Cora and they think that he's like a god and everything that he does is correct. You know, sometimes he can be wrong. Obviously, it didn't really matter in this game because we won, but he had Christian Arroyo in there who went 0 for 5, and he DH'd our backup catcher, Jorge Alfaro. Alfaro had two hits, but he didn't score any runs and didn't drive in any runs, so it wasn't super productive. You have Jaron Duran on the bench who's been super hot, Tristan Costas, who had homers in the first two games and then pinch hit and then hit a homer anyways. Um, Alex Verdugo is one of your your captains. 
whatever. I, I get the Verdugo thing. He hasn't been great offensively. You can give him a day off against the lefty. Duran, his, his stats aren't amazing against lefties, but he also hasn't had a good sample size. Casas has a higher on-base percentage against lefties than righties, and he's super hot. I would have put Casas in there instead of Alfaro. I don't get the point in, in DHing Alfaro. Um, plus, regardless of the stats, Jaron Duran and Tristan Casas are two of your future cornerstone players. They are your core. They're going to have to be in there every day facing lefties at some point, and the only way they're going to get better is by actually getting the at-bats against lefties. Jaron Duran has barely been able to face lefties this year, and if he's going to be your everyday center fielder, he has to be comfortable facing lefties. He's also a spark plug. Anytime he's out there on the field, his speed is causing havoc on the base paths, in the outfield, wherever it is. He is an impact player in, in multiple ways. I don't see it's not hurting your team to let him play against lefties at all. Like last night against the A's, Duran hit a ball up the middle that the A's pitcher just Snagged. reached down and grabbed. Yeah. It was a foot off the ground, maybe, would have been a ground ball up the middle. And you got to realize that on a play like that, He's on second base. He's Easily. not getting thrown That's what thrown he's done out. all season. He literally wreaks havoc on the base paths. Yeah. He, wreaks. He, he, he let off yesterday's game with that, with that single to right field, and I was like immediately when I saw that it took yeah. a couple hops on the grass, I'm like, he's going two on this, and I love it. I I'm love telling it. you, every time Duran leads Jaren off, Durant has he gets won, a double. He's won back these fans purely off a of hustle. Like he's this, my favorite and player. The thing right is, now. Awesome. When the team in the dugout sees how aggressive he is on the base pass and how fired up he is when he legs out a double that should be barely a single, like it fires the it team does. up. It makes us want to hit and do what he does because the thing is, he's getting the leadoff spot. He's going to hit a double. The guy who comes up behind him, if he puts a ball in play, that's a run. Immediately to start off a game. And yeah. that's a run in the first inning. You need that. You got to start off like that. And he just, he, there shouldn't be days where he's on the bench just because a lefty's throwing. Exactly. Same thing with Casas. I mean, with how hot he's been in the past, like, two weeks, why bench him? Yeah, There's, you don't need should, to be. Even if he's not playing first, DH him. He should be in the lineup every damn day. You don't need to be rushing Jorge Alfaro in there to get at bats. This is a guy who's been bouncing around between teams. He got DFA'd by the Rockies after hitting sub-200. It's not like he is a game-changing bat. I know he has really good stats against lefties, but I don't think it matters that much. Plus, I never like DHing your catcher because, say, Connor Wong gets some kind of injury and you have to put Alfaro and you lose the DH, and you got to have the, the pitcher hit, then pinch hitting, and it's just a mess. I never liked DHing the catcher. Um, and, and I don't know, unless you have two stud catchers, but whatever. Um, yeah, so I didn't love that. And all the people are like, well, clearly he did the right thing because they still won 11-5. All the guys that would have started anyways scored those runs. Alfaro did nothing. Arroyo did nothing. You could have scored even more. Um, you don't need to. Whatever. I'm past it. I'm over it. Um, yeah. So that was the Cubs series. Last night against the A's, we talked about Nick Pavetta going crazy in a one-hit shutout. Brandon Bernardino was great. Chris Martin shut it down in the end. Um, shout out to Connor Wong. He had three hits and three RBIs. They were talking, they've been talking the past few broadcasts about how often he's playing since Reese McGuire got hurt. He's been playing like every single day. I don't remember the exact stat, but I'm pretty sure he's played in like 19 or 20 straight games. Today, today ends the streak at 23. Oh yeah, that's right. He's, well, he could, well, he, he could, could come in the game. He could appear. That's what happens. Alfaro starts the game and then Connor Wong comes in as defensive replacement in the end. That's how he's maintained that streak. Um, but yeah. 
credit to, to Connor Wong for what he's been able to do behind the plate defensively with the pitching staff. Nick Pavetta credited Connor Wong last night about he, he called a great game. Um, and he had three hits and three RBIs in that game too. So he's been hitting. He's been great defensively, uh, pitch framing, pitch calling, blocking, defense, throwing guys out. I am very happy with Connor Wong as our starting catcher right now, which is not something I thought I'd be saying before this season. Like in the Mookie Betts trade, we all kind of saw him as like this potential minor league backup catcher guy, but he's really showing that he can be a, a very quality starting catcher. I, I love it. Yeah, he's been he's been producing great. I mean, he's a good he's a brick wall behind the plate. Yeah, and he's been producing runs in the bottom half of the lineup. The only thing that scares me a little bit is his strikeout percentage. He's striking out a third of the time. So, I mean, it's not horrible, but obviously something to work on. But other than that, I've I've loved him as our starting catcher so far. Yeah, I mean, when you have a catcher who's so good defensively, I don't really care what their offense is. As long as they're not abysmal and, and like, batting, like, under 100, like, just terrible. Connor Wong has been plenty good on offense despite the strikeout percentage he's been productive enough by far for me to still like him out there every day um it'd be a different story if he wasn't able to produce defensively but if if pitchers like throwing to him if he's a plus defender which he absolutely is he's one of the best defensive catchers in the league I, i like him out there behind the dish every day for sure and you can see him behind the dish by going to a game through SeatGeek. Because SeatGeek is the best ticket provider out there for all sports, concerts, shows, and more. They make buying tickets easy by grading every ticket price so you know you're getting the best deal. And they provide a view from your seat so you can pick the perfect seats to any event. And you can get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek by using the promo code DUGOUT. D-U-G-O-U-T. I think Connor Wong leads the American League in defensive run saves amongst (laughs) catchers. (laughs) Uh, he definitely did at one point. I believe he's in. I think he does. So shout out to to Wong. Yeah. One thing that we had in this Cubs series and so far in the A's series. By the way, we're mid A's series right now. The A's are playing uh, at nine forty tonight. We're recording two hours before that in the second game in the series. But one thing that we've had is a Mike Monaco Kevin Euclid combo in the booth. Dave O'Brien, who knows what he's doing? He's probably watching PBS up in Maine or something. He's on vacation. Who knows where? But yeah, at least he's having a good time. What do you think, Dave? Side note: What do you think Dave O'Brien does on vacation? (laughs) Goes to museums. I bet he stays up till 9 p.m. instead of 8. (laughs) He definitely does go to museums. He winds winds down with a good game of Scrabble at the end of the night. (laughs) If he's feeling wild, yeah, maybe he'll use a big word. I can't even think of a big word. I'm not smart enough for that. I was going to say one, but, you know, that's probably what he does. Is he's Dandy. Just out there. That's his go-to. That's his go-to. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I hope he's enjoying his vacation, though. Nice guy. Yeah, Anyways, take your time, Dave. Yeah. Don't come Rest back of the season soon. if you want. You know, retirement's a great vacation. you going to be like that every day. Um, but, yeah, Mike Monaco, I love that guy in the booth. He is so fun. He has great calls. He's energetic. And I really like the combo of him and Euclid. Um, Especially watching last night on the West Coast, it had some Don and Jerry vibes in terms of 
they're just joking around about non-baseball related things. They were talking about the, that possum, the possum in the booth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and Mike Monaco's scared to death of it. And Kevin Euclid was like, don't worry, I'll take care of it. I don't know if PETA's going to like what I do to it. I don't think I can say it, but I'll take care of it. Um, yeah. I love, I love these, these like midweek late night West coast games yeah. because things get uh, weird. <laughs> things get weird because you can, you can push the limits a little, a little more. The FCC has gone to bed. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Those those are some of the best memories. Looking back, you yeah. think of like Jerry eating the crickets in Seattle. <laughs> that was a that was a that's gem. right. <sighs> Good times, but um, yeah, Monaco. He's a dude's charismatic, and he's young. He gets it. He makes the game fun. Like he did a fantastic job during the College World Series. Yeah, and that's why I'm afraid that they're gonna lose him because I'm he, terrified of that. I, like, he called the game for the White Sox this year. Yeah. He's filling in for uh, what's-his-face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but he he's great. Nesson really needs to hang on to this guy because I don't know if you saw, but today the uh, rankings of MLB broadcast came out. Oh, that out. came out? Yeah, and Nesson is 16. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> 16. Try to guess, yeah. yeah. Which makes sense. You know, That's I, way I would say, too high. Yeah, it, it, it is a little high, but... Um, Especially, like... It'd be Especially one thing now. Yeah, because Dennis Eckersley would have drove that up. Jerry Remy for sure. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Lou. I like Will Middlebrooks. Will Middlebrooks is my favorite. I love when he's in the booth. I love Lou because he gets angry. When angry Lou comes out, makes me feel things. Um, <laughs> That's true, too. He's great. Um, you were beefing with Kevin Euclid. You said you didn't like him or something? He's warming up on me. I'm not the biggest Uke guy because I think he's just a little too wishy-washy positive. You know what I mean? Like, like... If uh, yeah, if a player strikes out in the in on a ball in the dirt, see, it makes more sense to say it in person than over text. He's like, well, you know, that was a good swing, but unfortunately, he, he just didn't. It. He missed it. I think also he's definitely gotten better this year. He's warming up a little bit, but last yeah. year in the booth, I just think he was trying way too hard. Definitely, like, and he, that's was, the thing he that was happens. doing too much, and it was it was coming off a little like extra i i see it with you though because he is so fun and he is so yeah. like he's he's jolly that's the way that i like to describe you he's a jolly fella and um i think it's something that gets better with time like we're analyzing him like he's a prospect which he kind of is he, he's he young is. In the he's booth. a broadcasting like, prospect like for for those for those old people out there i like when dennis eckersley first started he was fumbling his words he was really struggling there but it's hard because you, you spend your whole life trying to be a professional baseball player. Then you go into broadcasting. You didn't go to school for that, like some of the, the yeah. play-by-play guys or the sideline reporters. Like You're just kind of getting thrown into it. Yeah, you just got to learn. You, like, you got to learn that you're a baseball player. You just you see, you talk about what you see. Yeah, you just talk about the game. And, like... I think I think when, when they're losing games, it gets a little annoying with you. Like something that because of how out. positive he is yeah still. like yeah. like remember the stupid little league home run this year against yeah. the rays he's like uh, o'brien ob was so mad and he's like <laughs> this is unbelievable and then yuke is like who does the error get charged to on this? <laughs> yeah i remember that 
that's you know, why it, I like it's when times they, like that. Like I get it. He's a happy guy. It's hard for him yeah. to be negative. Well, that's, that's why, why like, only when they do the three man booth with like Wakefield, I don't like Wakefield in oh, the booth. He's so dry. Wake but, is tough. Like he, I, he, I think they're he's on someone who fumbles around his like words. having I think Euclid and another guy like if you have Euclid as a positivity and then like a Lou Merloni Lou. as a third guy I I think Lou and Euclid would be get great. along so well because it's like if if we get like angry Lou and then Euc like trying to cheer him up that would just be that would be awesome yeah Lou's like oh you can't be doing that you got to be better in the big league stage and Euclid is like you know. I don't think it's really that big of a deal. You know, you're here in the in the majors. You're just trying to have a fun time out there. You know who they should get Everyone's in the Everyone's trying their best. Johnny Gomes. Manny. Manny. <laughs> no one would hear a word. <laughs> he wouldn't, that would be so chaotic. Off, but I'm he just being Manny. Up. He wouldn't show up. <laughs> He'd show up in like the seventh inning. <laughs> so what are we doing, guys? And we're now joined in the O'Brien booth by calling a Manny game Ramirez. By who was supposed to be here two hours before the game? It's like the fifth inning, and here comes it. Manny. Isn't that a dandy? <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. I like when they have just—I mean, when they had like Bill Burr in the booth. That was the funniest that was thing amazing. ever. I, I, I like having the comedic guys. Say they they got to get him for a West for one of these A's oh. games because they. They could let him. He th- could sell that as a stand-up no, special. Yeah, Nesson should just eat the eat the fine, eat the fine. Get Bill Burr out there and let him talk crap about the A's. Yeah. Just just let him let him let loose. He's like, this is the most garbage team I've ever seen. How are these? You know, Dave. I th- I turn to myself and I ask myself sometimes, why why is this a major league team? <laughs> like what like why why didn't we kick him out? They couldn't play at the YMCA. They're freaking 25 and 71. What are we doing? <laughs> that guy shouldn't be playing baseball. He should be playing soccer. <laughs> My friend Timmy Swampscott is a better player than this guy. And he, he quit high school ball 35 years ago. <laughs> My buddy from Swampscott. <laughs> yeah. I, I really liked Johnny Gomes when they had him because he would just say something that makes absolutely no sense. He did and not when, have the voice for it either. He no, he like, didn't. But you know when they do like the little like <laughs> pregame, like they show the guys in the booth yeah. before they go to commercial? Johnny Gomes would be there just like staring, like blinking with one eye. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> and that is what we call a phone booth swing. Yeah, Dave, that right there is a yard sale pitch. His no voice con- was funny for him, <laughs> no too. No context. No, they should they should hire Johnny Gomes and have him exclusively out on the monster to catch home run balls <laughs> like he did with Story. Like, do you know about the story about how he was so drunk he like doesn't remember catching it? <laughs> they should they should have him out there. They cut to him every few innings and he progressively gets a drunker. <laughs> Dude, that's Nesson should do that. They gotta do a broadcast where they have like someone out on the monster with unlimited alcohol and a microphone and they just Dave check O'Brien. <laughs> What's going on? We cut to Johnny Gomes here in the second inning. Hey guys, just out here on the monster watching the game, having a good time. And, and we're cutting does, to Johnny Gomes now in the eighth inning. He does the stone What's cold up, Steve guys? Austin. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Who am I talking to right now? I think Johnny Gomes would be one of those guys that has the helmet with the two beer cans with the straws in them. Oh, he's got to he bring would. back his army helmet. Oh, my God. That's what he would do. They oh. need to hire him as, like, a sideline guy. He doesn't even need to interview the him. Mojo, be the Nesson Mojo guy. That's how we get to the top. And we're just going to go to the <laughs> sideline and talk to Johnny for a little bit. 
There's no one with him, but he's got some entertainment for us. He, I he feel like he would forget out. that he agreed to it. He'd just be like trying to buy like a beer or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, four. What do you mean two? No, cash. Tra- you know cash. who I am? <laughs> 2013 World Series. You ever heard of it? Give me four beers. <laughs> then he goes... He goes up to the booth. Guys, this is ridiculous. Fenway Park doesn't accept United States tender anymore. What are we doing? You wouldn't treat Smokey Joe Wood like this. That would so be yeah, Nesson, electric, Nesson, yeah. take notes. Just, you know, eat, you're a wealthy organization. Eat the fine from the FCC. Just Let, let's get let's get crazy. Take some of um the, the $400 million contract that Will thinks Heim gets paid. Use that, to dude. He could be making big bucks. <laughs> Use that to pay the FC FCC. Yeah, yeah. Didn't they cut? In the, they were talking about that in the broadcast. And Johnny Gomes, or Johnny Gomes, Kevin Yukas was like, "I don't even know what that is. Oh, I yeah. haven't learned that yet." <laughs> that did come up last night. Yeah. I want to get a little off the announcers' topic here, but I saw a tweet today, and I want to know what you guys think. Boston officials have approved a $1.6 billion project, dollar project titled Fenway Corners. They're looking to build eight new buildings around Fenway Park, including one right behind the monster. I think that's pretty cool. It's cool, but you know what upsets me about that? This was literally my first impression when I saw the picture. So, yeah, there's a building behind the monster. That's cool. Like, whatever. But are you really going to get rid of that legendary parking lot on top of the monster? That like Stop. i guess it only happens like three four times a year where a car just gets it hasn't smoked. happened in a while I feel it hasn't like. but you know what was like the best advertising ever you know what they had on top of that parking lot they had a giant glass that's right i remember that was that. sick actually wait no they turned that into um i don't know over covid they turned that into like a rooftop bar which was so stupid they literally put like picnic tables on a parking lot and said enjoy that will be 40 bucks for your beer so i don't know <laughs> literally um it's cool. I, hey, if it brings like Fenway's a really lively place. If it brings even more, like, I'm all in. Yeah, especially at our age, we're we're getting to the age now. Like, <clears throat> we can actually enjoy the scenes around Fenway, and there really is so much that's gone up over the past few years. Like, yeah. you've had the House of Blues. That M- I saw a concert at the MGM at Fenway. Yeah, that place is beautiful. They got it's a lot going on there too. Yeah, such great atmosphere. Like. Fenway's a great area, and I feel like we don't talk about it enough. It is maybe... I think we take it for granted how lucky we, we are to have absolutely. such a beautiful oh, absolutely. ballpark like, in the area. And it's such... Like, that whole you neighborhood... You an Angels game? Yeah. I went to an Angels game one year. It's, like, basically just a stadium in a parking lot, and it's all dirty and you disgusting. You ever been to Detroit? I can't even imagine. <laughs> can't you have... Walk, you walk Detroit. through actual ghettos and then the park is just there it just shows up out of absolutely nowhere yeah well detroit's depressing but yeah we (laughs) we do take it for granted like boston's a beautiful city and fenway's one of the best neighborhoods in that city uh it's only getting better i'm all for it like can you think of anything like any negative implications of this i don't think so they're not changing the ballpark they're just making the area better i got no qualms yeah good word thank you that's my word. That's of the your day. vocabulary only, of the day with the end of pod. So it won't do me much for Scrabble with, well, with the OB, S. There was six. Can what you do plurals do? in Scrabble? I think so. I, can you? Look that I don't, up. I, I don't think know. you can. Just, I will not be able to sleep tonight. Until I don't think I know. you can just put an S on the end of a word that's already on the board. But I think if you put 
a word on the you board can, and put an S at the end, you're all good. You After can get review, like an extra letter on everything. Yeah, it's confirmed. Yeah, you're but you have to, to have it. an S. That's on what your smart players do. You, know, you know those words that have like an E before the S too. A little E S. That's two yeah. more letters. Ob but knows again, all about that. You gotta have the letters on your little tray thingy, and you only get seven of those, Johns. I forgot that is what Scrabble is. <laughs> I haven't I haven't indulged in I'm the a big, sport. I'm a big Scrabble guy, you know. <laughs> Do you think Ob is like in a competitive Scrabble league or something? I feel like his game might be more of like checkers. I was thinking checkers. Yeah. No, I'm all aboard the Scrabble thing. He talks for a living. You, you hear some of the words. I remember that he called uh, someone Dennis Eckersley, Mister Magnanimous, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what that word is. <laughs> No, I've since I, learned, but you know, dude, Ob definitely gets such a thrill from playing Operation. <laughs> <laughs> you you hear like, and he's like, "Darn, <laughs> Ob, any big plans for the day off? <laughs> if I get crazy, I'm gonna crack a ginger ale and play Operations." <laughs> <laughs> the bubbles make me frisky. Uh, the Red Sox is talking about signing Brian Bayo to an extension. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. Absolutely. With our what's, history what's of not extending you? guys until the Raphael Devers thing. I Like I said, I said this on an episode. You sign Raphael Devers to an extension. Keep the party train moving. Keep it going. Sign Bayo. Sign Casas. Sign Duran. You got to do what the Braves do. Yeah, toss that money out there and, and good things happen. Yeah, and... So the Braves are the best team in the league right now. They if, did it. If we're looking at that potential deal for Bayo, after this year, he's got three more years of pre-arb and then three years of arbitration. So that's six years. So obviously you would buy those first six years, um, but then you're looking for that r- big return on your investment. So you'd, it would probably be an eight-year deal. That would be my guess, right? I feel like eight's a friendly number. You buy out arbitration. How old is he, 24? Yeah. Yeah. So through through 32 i like that a lot um i would like eight years like honestly eight years 100 million i i don't know if he would say no to that or not much more than that eight, eight, for, year, eight for 120 eight for 120 would I couldn't be do that math eight for 120 would be 15 million a year and that like if you look at that eight years down the line if you're paying, paying 15 million dollars for brian bayo that's I'd a say steal. 140 yeah eight. something but. like that it, it's something that he can't refuse Oh um, yeah, I I think that it's so doable too. I feel like you have Pedro as like a Boston influence that'd be great for him. That's an incentive to be here. I'm sure Pedro can call him and be like, Brian, I think he you gotta ta- come here, man. I think he would take less because like this is a terrible example because whatever the Braves. Well, I think do, the range is 100 to 140 yeah, somewhere in there. Like they got Strider last year for six, six years, 75 million, absolute steal. So like I, you would imagine I mean, yeah. that Bayo is somewhere around that ballpark. Um, yeah, Young that, guys want that, though. Half. That's financial it's security. security especially as a pitcher because... Your career could blow up. Yeah. Look at Chris Sale. He signed that big extension with the Red Sox, and he's barely been able to pitch, but he gets all that money. Yeah. That's why you sign these kinds of deals. And the thing deals. with pitchers is, like, if you're being real, one of those years is probably a Tommy John year, the way that this game goes. So Yeah, it's, you're most likely not pitching all eight years. Exactly. I like yeah. it. I mean, oh, that's also why... There's incentives for both sides. The mm-hmm. Red Sox get a ace-type pitcher, young, uh, for an affordable deal. 
and Brian Bayo gets financial security for the next eight years of his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about a hundred million dollars and more here. That's going to set him financial for security life. for your entire life. Yeah, exactly. Also, Buy yourself a boat. Think about Brian Bayo. Did you oh, hear that? Get it going. Um, he spent his All Star break in the DR, and he went to the Red Sox um, complex down there to throw a bullpen to to stay warm during the break. But then while he was there. He also spoke with all the young Dominican kids in that in that Red Sox camp. I, I thought, thought that was, was Devers. No, it was Bayo. Oh, you're right. I'm yeah, different yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that's pretty cool. Like Bayo is just he he continuously proves that he's not only a great pitcher, he's a great teammate. And at that age, that's something that's really impressive. It sticks with me. Like this is a guy that you want here. You want to be leading your pitching staff because he has those leadership capabilities and characteristics. Like. Brian Bale's a great guy. And you always want to see guys on your team making that community impact, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Big time. Especially in a city like Boston, where that gets a lot of attention, too. Not like it's about the attention, but, you know. But Boston loves that. Yeah. Boston, yeah, absolutely. All right, looking at the road ahead here. Uh, so we got another game against the A's tonight, 940. That is going to be started by Joey's favorite pitcher, Joe Jakes. Joe Jakes. Yeah, that's a fun one. Joe Jake's bump um, day. Let's go. And then in game three tomorrow afternoon, that's Bayo day, right? That's Bayo. Yeah. Yeah. Then we got an off day Thursday, and then we face the Mets. Hold on. I got some. Oh. I, I got. This is really stupid. Okay. Uh, the scheduling for the Red Sox. So they were in Chicago, right? Then yeah. they go out west for three games, then they come back home. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. It's I five, see what you're about to say. Yeah. It's five games at home. Then they go back out west for two series. But one of the series is against San Francisco, so they're going back to the same city. Right where they were. I'll be there. There you go. Nice. Yeah, that's stupid. It it is stupid. That's kind of brutal scheduling. Hopefully it doesn't really affect them. We're getting to the point of the year where you're literally Yoshi hates jet lag. Yeah, he does, actually. I forgot about that. He doesn't like jet lag, and they're putting through a lot of that. Well, you know what? Let's get him. You're only back for a week before you go out again. You're back for four games. You get three days off, but yeah, it's tough. How do you say sleep on the plane in Japanese? I think we should buy him like a chamber that's like <laughs> what to sleep in. So like even when it's bright out, you just completely black out the chamber so it feels like nighttime. All right, everyone get on and the then plane. You We're going to load Brian. <laughs> We're going to load Masataka Yoshida in his chamber into the cargo bay. Sleep on the <laughs> As long as he's comfortable. Here we go. And that's that was your Japanese lesson. Thank you to our <laughs> Japanese expert. Yeah, that's our second weekly uh, Japanese lesson. That was sleep on the plane. I'm sure that'll come up a lot. Anywho, uh, while we're in Boston, so in the time between now and our next episode, we play the Mets, and they've been, they've been Metsing big time. The so, Mets are always going to be the Mets. Yeah, play them at Fenway. Uh, and then we face the Braves for another two-game series. That's going to be tough because the Braves are really good. However, in game two of that series, first 7,000 fans get it. Alex Verdugo cooling headband. Wow. I had tickets to that game, but I had to sell due to a conflict. What are you so going to do without that headband, man? How are you going to get cooled in the hot summer? I might die of heat stroke. 
I think that series, though, against the Braves will be a good test to see what we can do in the second half of the year, potentially going into the postseason. Because yeah. we, we beat them in the first half of the season. And since then, obviously, the Braves have gotten red hot. Yes. But the Sox are looking good right now. And if they can keep this momentum rolling, try to sweep this series against the A's, go back and play the Mets, who are Metsing, and try to keep the win streak going, we can go into that Braves series with a a lot of confidence and try to win those. And Which if we big. can, I think this is a playoff team. Yeah, and you look at the Braves series from earlier this year. That was Bayo had his best start of the year, and that's what really catapulted him to go on the run that he has been on. Um, I feel like playing a team like this, it's I like that it's two games because like if you know, if you get swept, it doesn't sting as much. But like that's yeah. a series you're looking to come out with the split. Um, but well, it's lining up to be Bayo pitching in that series, and Brandon Bernardino and Nick Prevetta, the World Series combo oh, right there. Okay, I believe. I don't know if that's right actually. Um, no, I did that reverse. No, It'd be reverse. James Paxton, which still, is still good. Yeah, it gives you, got you Bayo and good. Paxton. Yeah, it gives you a yeah. chance to win. But I feel like series like that, where you know, like on paper, you are. Like very overmatched. That Braves team is ridiculous. Yeah, it's a good measuring stick series because you even a split. If you have a good win mixed in there, you can show that you are a legit team. Because as long as the loss isn't a huge blowout. Yeah, or like there are many ways to look about it. Like if you you know lose the first game but fight to win the second game, like that that shows heart in the team, and that's what they did earlier in the year. Like I have faith in these guys and. Not to overlook the Mets, like I still think that you could. That's a bit of a trap, right? Especially this time of the year. True. Um, you could get lazy. Yeah, you can't overlook them for sure. I don't think they will because it's a big, big matchup, weekend series. Um, that should be. I mean, as bad as the Mets are, they're still the Mets. Like people come to yeah, watch them like, at Fenway. And, and Senga's gonna... pitching the first game. Yeah. He's a beast. I don't know who the other two are, but I mean, analysts always say there's no easy game in the MLB. Exactly. So. But yeah, you, you can beat up on the A's all you want. That's great, but you got to see how you compare against good teams like yeah, the Braves. It, and so it's a it's it a good important. time of year to catch like I st- like on paper the Mets are a good team. Like they're still talented. It's a good time of the year to catch them because you are playing well, they are not, and you have a chance to take advantage of that. And going into a Brave series, which is going to be extremely tough, but it's a good measuring stick series. Um, you know, the next time we record a pod, we're going to know a lot about this team. And the That's same right. thing there is it's a good time to catch the Mets. It's also a good time to catch the Braves because even if worse comes to worst and we lose both of those games, there's still a good 70 games left in the season. Like this, losing to the Braves doesn't end us. Yeah, it doesn't. It just shows us where we're at and where we need to go. Yeah, true. Like that, that Braves series is not by itself is not going to dictate whether this team buys or sells. True. It doesn't do anything because everyone knows like the Braves are a much better team. And there's nothing you can do about it. They're the best team in baseball. Braves don't have Nick Pavetta, though. So, slow your roll there, pal. That was a trade rumor from like last week. The Braves wanted him. I'm not trading Nick Pavetta for anything. Unless you want to do Shohei for Pavetta 1-1, great. Otherwise, Done. he's not leaving. Fair. All right, emptying the bench real quick. <laughs> Haven't What? That's not even from our podcast. Oh, yeah, it's not. Uh, Emptying the bullpens. (laughs) 
the dugout, dude. Dugout. Empty in the dugout. Dugout. Clearing the dugout. I was on I was on Reddit and I saw the dumbest <laughs> trade proposal in I've was ever this before seen. or after you got banned? <laughs> this was after I recovered my account. Um, <laughs> first off, it's a trade between the Red Sox and Yankees. Classic. It is <laughs> Duval Story. But we still have to pay half of Story's contract and James Paxton for Oswald Peraza. That's it? Yeah. That might be the best deal we can get. And then this guy continues to say, I'd even give them Whitlock back. The Red Sox are just ruining him anyway. Was that from a Red Sox fan? This had to be from a Yankees fan. This had to be from a Yankees this, fan. This had to be Duval story, but you have to pay half the contract <laughs> and Paxton for Oswald Peraza and potentially Whitlock. Peraza. He's Whitlock. like, oh, let's just throw him in just in case we need to put more in there. You might need a little more value for what Peraza. Are let's you throw doing? Whitlock in there. You know, let's give him Verdugo oh, too. Yeah. Oswald Peraza. And then someone said... We can give him Meyer, too, if they throw in, like, Wendy Peralta. <laughs> someone said, I think you're higher than Peraza than his entire family. <laughs> and his own mother. Yeah, no, someone said, even Peraza's mom doesn't make this trade. <laughs> oh, maybe I gotta hop on the Red Sox Reddit. Uh, like yeah, announcement, I, I made a Reddit. If you're a Reddit person, go follow our Reddit. What is r- it? R slash in the dugout. Go, in the dugout. Yeah. Go, go do that. Go follow it. There's no posts. But, yeah, you know, the, the first one to make a post will get a shout out on next week's podcast. Yeah, we will uh, send you a... Uh, you will also get a bonus uh, Japanese lesson from <laughs> me and Will. Along with a cameo from David Ortiz. That's right. Friend of the program. Yeah, man, go post on that Reddit, man. Oh, wow. He, he just said it, so go go do it. Thanks for listening to the In the Dugout podcast this week. Uh, we will see you uh, next week, I guess.